Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning and happy Easter to all of you. Thank you for joining us here at Grace Crossing Church this morning. We are thankful that you have inc- you've included Grace Crossing in your Easter plans. We know that some of you are just coming back from spring break. Welcome back. We also know that some of you are here, maybe with family this morning, or maybe it's your very first time at Grace Crossing Church, or any church for that matter, on this Easter Sunday, and we want to welcome you especially, and particularly, we pray that this service will enrich you, will encourage you, and will build up your own faith. And so would you join me, put our hands together, and let's welcome all those who are joining us this morning here, perhaps for the first time. Now, we this morning are concluding a series that we began back actually in February that's led us here into Easter, entitled Remember. And this morning is the climax. This morning it culminates in this celebration here this morning. I've chosen this text of Scripture to frame our thoughts today. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 1 through 5. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead? For someone who is alive. That is the question that begs an answer this morning. It is the question the angels asked of the women. It's the same question that you and I need to answer this Easter Sunday morning. What is it that we are looking for? And why are we looking for the living among the dead? Now, most of you are unfamiliar with this guy. His name is Constantine Relu. He's a 63-year-old Romanian-born citizen who lived in Romania until 1992. In 1992, he went to Turkey to take a job as a cook. He lived in Turkey until the, the Turkish government found out that his documents had been expired, and they sent him back to Romania just this past January. So in January of this past year, Mr. Relu actually gets to the border of Romania, and there he's confronted by customs officials, who actually inform Mr. Relu that he had been declared dead 15 years earlier. In fact, there was a, an official government death certificate that was signed in 2003. And so as you can imagine, He spent hours, six hours in all, being interrogated with customs officials trying to prove that he was who he said he was. They said, listen, this has got to be some sort of hoax. You've got to have this guy's passport. This cannot be the same guy because you have been dead for 15 years. Finally, after the interrogation, they led him back into the country, but only after they measured the distance between his two eyes. And they compared it with his passport photo. It's a true story. It's a crazy story, but here's the capper. When he gets back to Romania, he appeals to the Romanian uh, courts 
to have his death certificate annulled and overturned. He actually appears in person to have this death certificate overturned. And get this, the Romanian courts denied his request because in their words, it was too late to file an appeal. (laughs) The Associated Press a few weeks ago picked up this story and they interviewed Mr. Raylo and here's what he said. He said, I am officially dead even though I'm very much alive. But I can't get a job, I can't drive a car because I am nothing more than a living ghost. Now, this contemporary story reminds me somewhat of the question that the angels asked the women at the tomb that day. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? What they were really asking was this. They were asking them the question, the same question that each of us have to answer this morning. What is it we're looking for in life? This Easter, what are we searching for the most? And why do we go to places and why do we go to things that will leave us spiritually empty? Reality is the question was really more of a rhetorical question. It was designed to make a point. And here was the point the angels were making. You will never find true life in this life until you look at the right place and until you look at the right face. And the right place is the empty tomb. And the right face is the resurrected Christ. The angels reminded them of something that they had forgotten. Something that they did not remember. We read about it in the very next verses. Verses 6 through 8. He isn't here. The angel said he is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. The words of these angels. He is not here. He is risen and he is alive. Those words are the hope of Easter. They are why we gather nearly 2,000 years later and we celebrate that very first Easter. Because on that very first Easter, God takes what is impossible and he makes it possible. God's power silences all evil. Love overcomes hatred. Life vanquishes death. And on the cross, Jesus takes all of hell's fury and all of God's wrath against sin upon his own body. He is inflicted, he is beaten, he is scourged, he is mocked, he is treated with the most incredible abuse, and Jesus absorbs it all for what was about to take place on Resurrection Sunday morning. So, uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I went to see the brand new Marvel comic film, Black Panther. I'm wondering how many of you, by a show of hands, have seen the movie Black Panther? Okay, a lot of you need to get to the movies, okay? It is a movie worth seeing for a lot of reasons, a lot of great themes. In fact, I'm already putting it on my short list for next year's God at the Box Office. It's that good of a movie. And I'm not going to give away any spoiler alerts this morning, but, but let me just give you this by way of illustration. 
The story is actually about a king from Wakanda by the name of T'Challa. King T'Challa actually is given a suit that he wears, which makes him the Black Panther. He takes a liquid into himself. It's actually called vibranium from Wakanda. And in the world of the Marvel Comics universe, it is the strongest substance known to humanity. There's nothing stronger than vibranium. And here's what makes vibranium so uniquely powerful. Vibranium, the suit that Black Panther wears, actually absorbs every single negative attack. Every blow, every hit, every bullet, Black Panther's suit is actually able to absorb it. It doesn't make him weaker. It actually makes him stronger. In fact, in the movie, the greater the affliction, the greater his power. And what he does is he redistributes all of that negative energy that is thrust against him, and he now turns it against his enemies to conquer them. That is the, that is the message and the story of Easter. Jesus takes all of the hatred, all of the sin, all of the pain, all of hell's fury, and all of God's wrath against sin, he takes it upon himself, he absorbs it so that on Resurrection Sunday morning, he can redistribute it through himself to bring life and hope and eternity to everyone who will place their hope and trust in him. You see, the crucifixion did not make Jesus weaker. It made him stronger. And the greater the affliction the greater his power. The cool thing about Christ is he didn't need a special suit. He didn't need vibranium. Jesus carried within him the greatest substance known to humanity, sacrificial love. And it was through his sacrificial love that he was able to absorb it all and then redistribute it through his resurrection. It doesn't get better than that. For the next 40 days, Jesus begins appearing in his resurrected form. Paul the Apostle actually writes about this in his letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And then Paul says this, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, he actually appeared to me. Now I got to ask you a question this Easter Sunday. What would you do if Jesus appeared to you? How would you respond? Well, most of us would respond a lot like the disciples did. Luke 24 picks up the story and tells us how they responded. The whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. 
As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Did you catch that? Did you catch the myriad of responses upon seeing the resurrected Christ? Some of them are filled with joy and wonder. I pray that this Easter Sunday, for some of you sitting in this auditorium, this Easter has not lost its joy and its wonder. I pray that you still sit here this morning filled with that joy and wonder that he is alive. But did you also see the other responses? Some had fear. Some had doubt. Some even had disbelief. Which of those best characterize you this morning? I pray it's joy and wonder, but perhaps this morning it's fear, if you're honest. Perhaps you sit here this morning on this Easter Sunday and you're actually filled with fear about, if I cross the line of faith, what will people think of me? What will people say about me? What will my family think if I make that decision and, I, and I'm all in? And I put my faith and trust in Christ. Maybe it's fear. Perhaps it's doubt. Perhaps this morning you sit here and you can actually believe in the crucifixion, but you still have a difficult time. You still doubt the resurrection. You you this morning may have more faith in the old adage that if something appears to be too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Well, Jesus loves you and he accepts you doubts and all. Or maybe this morning you're here, and if you're honest, you're the skeptic. Maybe for you, there is still so much skepticism when you think about the resurrection, because to you, you think, listen, how could I place my trust in something or someone that cannot be proven through natural means? Perhaps like some of the disciples, you hear the story and maybe you're hearing it for the first time this morning and it sounds to you like it did to them, like utter nonsense. How can it be that he's alive? How's it possible? You see, they saw him and they heard him, but as they looked at him, they could not even trust the photo receptors in their own two eyes. The occipital lobe in their brain, could not compute the messages that were being sent from the optic nerves. They were having a difficult time. And perhaps for you this morning, it isn't fear and it isn't doubt. Maybe it is just skepticism and disbelief. Well, you're going to love this story because Jesus is alive. Jesus appeared to multitudes, and I can tell you, he is still showing himself alive and real today. So my wife and I left a week ago Friday uh, for Washington, D.C., and the very first person we met when we landed at the airport that we spoke with was our Uber driver. His name is Rom. And and Rom picked us up at the airport, and what was about a 25-mile drive to where we were headed took an hour and 15 minutes because of Washington traffic on a Friday afternoon. So we had plenty of time to get to know Rom. And about halfway in our journey, Ram asked me the question that I fear the most. He said to me, so what do you do? I hate that question. 
I fear it the most. And the reason I fear it the most is I typically get a response of someone looking at me like I have two heads. Not Ram. In fact, when Ram found out that I was a Christian pastor, Ram wanted to share something with me, an experience he had had, not once, but a few times. He actually said to me, I want to share this with you, and and I want you to help me understand it. He said, I have seen Jesus appear to me on a couple of different occasions. And he said, I'm certain it it was Jesus. And so I said to him, Ram, when Jesus appeared to you, what did he say? He said, nothing. It was so quick. He, He appears And I see him, and then he just vanishes from my sight. I said, Ram, I think God's trying to get your attention. So, Ram, here's what I want to encourage you to do. The next time that Jesus appears to you, and I am confident there's going to be a next time. God's trying to get your attention. So the next time that he appears, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Jesus, speak to me. Jesus, speak to me. And just listen to what he wants to tell you. And Ram agreed to it. He said, I'll do it. But how am I going to let you know when this actually happens? No problem. I said, here's my mobile number. And I said, I want you to let me know when you have that experience. And we exchanged numbers. When he dropped us off uh, at the place that we were staying, he said to me, now, when when, when you're ready to go back to the airport, just reach out to me directly. I want to come. I want to pick you up. And I want to take you back to the airport. We did and he did. And we had the opportunity to spend some more time with Ram. Even when we were getting there at the airport, before we parted ways, I had the opportunity to pray with my new friend, Ram. And I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray because I think God is trying to get a a message through to him about his love and his grace. Now, I know if you're here and you are a skeptic, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself right now, Jesus may have appeared to the apostles. He may have appeared to Peter. He may have appeared to Paul the apostle. He may have appeared to an Uber driver in Washington, but Jesus would never reveal himself to me like that. Well, if you're here and that's you, this Easter Sunday, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to do the very same thing I encouraged Ram to do. I want to encourage you to pray and just ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. I know, I know, skeptics don't pray. But if you'll pray that one prayer, and you'll pray that one prayer out of a sincerity of your heart, I am confident it is a prayer that God will answer. You may just be surprised how God answers that. In fact, when you pray to the resurrected Christ because he's alive, you may just become a believer in him as you experience his love and his grace. Now, every one of us here aren't going to have that kind of revelation. We're not going to have that kind of experience. I never have. But I have enough evidence and I have enough proof through the gospel story and through the transformation that's taken place in my own life and the lives of countless other people for hundreds and hundreds of years who have followed the resurrected Christ. And so this morning, here's a promise I'll leave you with. Jeremiah chapter 29. It's a promise that we can still count on today in the 21st century. 
you will call on me and come and pray to me. Here's the promise. And I will listen to you. I will listen. You will seek me and find me. Notice, when you seek me with all your heart. What did the resurrected Christ want from the disciples he appeared to? He just wanted all their heart. What did he want from Peter on the road to Damascus? He wanted his heart. What does he want from us this Easter Sunday? He just wants your heart. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to pray to him with all of your heart. And when you do that, I can promise you, God will answer that prayer every single time. We're going to do that right now. Would you pray, please? Join me. This morning, on this Easter Sunday, if you're in this auditorium, as I pray and lead us in a prayer together, I want to pray for everyone here that in their faith chooses to cross the line this morning and say, I don't understand it all. It doesn't all make sense to me. I still have doubts. I have fears. Maybe even I have some skepticism. You can do what the disciples did. You can bring your true, authentic self to him. And he loves you just as you are. And this morning, what I would encourage you to do is to press through and push through the fears, the doubts, and the disbelief. Come to him with your heart. Seek him. Pray to him. He'll listen. And this morning, we're going to do that. And if you're here this Easter Sunday, I can't think of a more important decision you'll ever make in your life. If you choose this morning and you want to cross the line of faith and you're going to have the courage to say, I want to be included in that prayer. Would you slip up your hand this morning if that's you? And just say, include me in that prayer as you pray for those to receive Christ. Yeah, there are several. There are others this morning in this auditorium that would say, thank you, thank you. Are there others this morning that would say, please, I want to make this decision today. I want to give my heart. Thank you so much. I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to give him all of my life. We rejoice with each and every one of you this morning who are making that decision. Here's what I can tell you. I have never met a person in my life who regretted giving their life to Christ. Never once have I met a person who regretted that decision. So Father, I'm so honored today to stand with this congregation and remind ourselves of your life. I'm so thankful that because you live, we live. And as the songwriter said, we can face tomorrow. We have to fear nothing. This morning, God, we thank you for the depth of your love took upon yourself all of hell's fury and all of God's wrath against sin so that we could have life, so that you could redistribute God's life to us. And we are partakers this morning of that life. We come with joy and wonder once again this Easter Sunday. And I want to pray particularly for every person who lifted up their hand, who acknowledged in their own courage that they want to cross the line of faith. Would you allow your love to intersect their faith right now? And let them put an anchor deep into the solid ground of Jesus. I pray for transformation to take place. I pray that their life would never be the same again. 
And just as you transformed the life of everyone who saw you in your resurrected body, you said, blessed are those who see, but even more blessed are those who do not see and yet still believe. And so God, thank you that many of us here have never seen with our physical eyes, and yet we believe, we trust. So bless each one this morning on this Easter Sunday. We celebrate your grace and your love, and we do so now through baptism and those who are choosing to celebrate publicly their faith in you. Thank you for it, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.